Yes, yes, yes. We've got an amazing episode today coming up. Just want to welcome everybody to the Outlaw Process Show. We've got an amazing show, Slam Pack. We're going to talk to Holloman Custom Drum Company, Bob and Rob. These are the owners of the company, and they're going to tell their experience of the drum building. Uh, this show is going to be a lot about, it's going to have a lot about drum building and some of the shop terminology. We're going to talk a lot of drum building, some of the issues that we've had in the shop. We're going to talk endorsements. We're going to talk um, loving the process. We're going to talk about a community that really sticks together. We're going to talk about other drum companies. we just got a lot of things to talk about in the show. So this show may seem a little bit long-winded, but it's slam-packed with great, great information. Holloman Drum Company coming up right now. Um, I want to welcome them to the show. Bob and Rob. Hello, guys. How y'all doing? Good, how are you? Great to be here, Michael. <laughs> thank you, thank you, man. Uh, good to be here too, man. I, I appreciate y'all's time. And so we got Rob and Bob. And Bob is the dad, Rob is the son. And how long have y'all been uh, building custom drums? Uh, we started building, well, the first drum we made was in 2008. I was going to college and uh, I wanted to get a really nice snare drum my dad thought you know let's just try to build one instead of going out there and buying you know some really high-end like craviato or something along those lines and i couldn't afford it anyway <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had our first sleeve build and i was working at a local drum shop at the time so i was kind of tinkering around with it and you know, customers would come in and check it out. And they eventually, a couple of people started, you know, asking about it and said, you know, can you build new ones? So we started building drums for other people. That's really when it all started. But I'd say about 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Wow. Okay. So y'all been doing this for a while. I know, I know that we've kind of, uh, we've bumped into y'all a bunch of times at some of the drum shows and we really become really good friends and really, uh, I just love what you guys are doing, man. But y'all doing a lot of stave and uh, segmented type drums out of just all kinds of um, different types of wood. What's y'all's most common um, wood that y'all use the most of? Probably cherry and maple. Yeah, everybody loves maple and birch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they're super, super popular. It can be very difficult at times to continue on. Like, I, there's a lot of people starting drum companies, is what I'm saying. There's a lot of people starting them up and thinking that they're going to get rich quick by building some drums, you know. And this is definitely a long game. And I know I've come to know that. I know y'all have too, that it's not something that you can just start doing and start instantly making money. It's just more on the lines of doing what you love and you know scratching an itch that is just so hard to get to you know yeah there <laughs> yeah you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there it's it's not as easy as what everybody thinks it is you're not going out there you know becoming a millionaire making drums that's for sure yeah yeah it's hard enough to build them and then it's hard to find somebody that wants to pay for them. right most and people we don't do this full time we're looking jobs that support our families so oh. You know, that's that's the advantage is we're not dependent on this. Yeah. And that makes it sort of an advantage because we it, it's not so much as a job as almost uh it is a labor of love because 
we build some drums that I don't really want to sell because I love them so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You, you, <laughs> we've come across some times where people have just made offers on stuff and we're like, yeah, we, we need to let it let it go for that. <laughs> yeah, those lowball offers, you know. I, I sometimes get so insulted by a lowball offer. You know, I'm just like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, this thing took me weeks to build. And I can literally go and work at McDonald's for the money that I'm making making you this drum here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can cut grass and make more money. Yeah, it's definitely not about money. You know, like, thankfully for me, you know, I definitely had um, some cabinet making experience so i can always kind of fall back on other revenues if I, if it ever came to it but right now i'm i'm exclusively on drums right now I'm just building drums and focusing on drums and you know i want to start doing like this interviews and this podcast and stuff like that and you know and it's just really cool because people need to know and i feel like people really want to know some of the stories behind um, what makes a drum company go and what makes it tick, you know? And um, I know it's just like you have a labor of love and, you know, it's, it's the same thing for me. I just, I, I just, you just fall in love with building your craft and just uh, interviewing. I just, I love you guys so much, man. We, we, I know we went to, uh, we met, what, was it the Chicago drum show that we met at? Or is it Nashville? I think Nashville was the first place. Nashville? Because I was really quite awestruck because you came over and started talking to us. And I'm thinking, and this guy is a legend, and he's talking to two guys from nowhere. I just <laughs> love you guys, man. <laughs> you all you making me blush, man. <laughs> You're definitely making me blush. I just, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of hindered spirits with you guys, man. Y'all, it's definitely not about. Uh, you know, it's about the the passion and love for drums. Um, so. Another question. Do, do y'all play the drums? Do you actively play? I don't anymore. I still do. Okay. I still play. All right. Gotcha. Um, what band do you play with? Who's that? Who's mate? Who's ta- Is that Rob? Yeah. Rob, okay. Yeah, this is... Yeah, I, I still play. I don't I don't play in a band anymore. Um, I work third shift, so I don't really have the opportunity to play in a band at the moment. <laughs> um... But, I mean, I still practice all the time at home, you know, play along different stuff. I'd fill in if, you know, the opportunity arose, but... Yeah. I found better that I like playing around instead of playing, like, in a particular band. Like, I have a lot of band guys that come over and jam, and I'll get to fill in with them for a minute and just kind of get to scratch that itch that's been bothering me, you know, and get in there and play some, and then I'm good for a little while. And then I get to doing it again. Because you know how it is. It's like that first... You know, when you sit behind a drum kit, that first 15 minutes of actually playing that you haven't played in a while, it's all like, damn, this feels good, you know? It's when you got to do it every single yeah, day do. that it gets kind of, uh, you know, it's, it don't, I'm, saying, I'm not saying it gets worse, it just kind of, it, it kind of goes down, that sensation kind of fizzles out a little bit. Yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said about playing with other musicians and instead of just going through your rudiments and playing, you know, you know, your normal licks and everything, keeping up with your time. Yeah. Even, I mean, I think it's more enjoyable to play with a group of people than even playing along to, you know, streaming some music or anything like that. Right. 
yeah, I love streaming some music and start playing with some stuff, man. That's definitely cool. Um, so another another thing too, um, what drum companies? I know it's just like it's weird that the relationship that us drum builders have together. We're kind of a community, and we stick together, and we love each other, and we want everybody to succeed. But what drum companies do you see like are really like? Man, they're really making some just jaw-dropping stuff right now. Is there anybody that comes to mind right up hand? I would say Josh from India is doing amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, independent drum company. Yeah. I like him on um, Ron Danette. Oh, yeah. What about Love, Love Custom is, Drums? Love is cool. Yeah, they, he's got some, some wild stuff, too. Cherry Hill. That's oh yeah, another one. I got to get one of the hi hat clutches, man. Them things are so cool. They they do they their drum is just really classy, man. I love the way they look. Um, it's just and it's their signature look, man. They're not trying to copy. And I love it when drummers when builders don't try to copy anybody else. They just kind of got their own thing and they go with it, you know. Yeah, like enough when me and F came out with all that stuff, I was like, wow, you know. You, you haven't seen anything like that in a long time, and the very signature look—they're mm-hmm. they, not. They're nobody's doing. Yeah, very vintage looking, and very kind of. Um, it already looks. It already kind of looks old, so it definitely has that feel. The leather thing. Have y'all ever heard of uh, Serenity Drum Drum Company? Yeah, they were just in. Um, they were in Nashville, like a month. Yeah, in August. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah, guys are really. Yeah. Um, those guys are really cool, man. Um, they do some really cool sculpted art pieces, you know, with the shells being kind of all really cool and tricks doing some really cool stuff too. Um, but the VK drums, they're, they're doing good. Welch drums, man, with the tunings right there. Um, love these guys, man. Uh, Cast drum craft. They have done some, man, they've got my attention for sure, too. They've got, they're doing a lot of CNC stuff. He's showing a lot of how he's building some of the shells. And even some of the shells he's making out of, like, the whole drum is completely wood. Like, even the lugs. Oh, I've been seeing those. He has the lug integrated into the shell. Yeah, yeah, the the cast drum craft, I think, yeah. And these guys, they're doing, he's really doing some cool stuff, a lot of steam bent. And I'm um, definitely watching these guys. And it's just, it's, 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 it's very inspiring. It's very inspiring. I try not to, and I and a lot of people do this, but I try, always try not to um, compete with anybody. I always just try to create. You know, create, not compete is kind of my motto. You know, don't, I, I typically don't try to get, like a lot of, looking at a lot of what everybody else is doing, I kind of just want to stick to myself, but it's nice to kind of, visualize every once in a while and see what everybody's kind of doing but then it kind of sometimes you'll want to start doing other stuff you know and i just kind of got to keep reminding myself to that we're not in the business of competition here we're not trying to it's not a race it's definitely um we want to create unique pieces you know and um that's kind of that's really what's been resonating with me here lately you know it's just you really making cool, unique pieces and not really trying to do the rat race thing, you know, because, you know, people, they just want, a lot of times, man, folks just want, you know, they want free gear, the endorsement, hey, I'm the drummer for so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you send me a free snare drum, you know? 
and uh, it's just kind of kind of crazy. And it's gonna make a worldwide hit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've never really benefited a lot from sending free gear, and like I have way early, man, and I kicked myself in the ass for this too because. Just starting out, man, I was very enthused, and I was just very zealous, and I was just like, man, and all somebody would have to do is say they love the product, and I was just going to make them have one. Even if they didn't have the money, I would give it to them. Boom. And I would be like, and they would be like, I had this whole list of stuff they were going to do. And then every time, and I started to realize a pattern. Every time I gave somebody something, um, nothing would ever come about it. Like, you would see, you know, you'd see maybe one post, and that was it. It would just be gone. And the people that, and I love, um, I love how you kind of stand by your views on the endorsement thing. I was going to get into it in just a second, but about, you know, when somebody is endorsed by a product, you know, you don't call them an, an endorsement. What, what do you call them? We have ambassadors. Ambassadors. I love that word. Um, I want to get that tattooed on me somewhere ambassador that's that's what it's about you know it's like people <laughs> they don't um it's crazy because somebody will want to go um they'll want a free drum you know and they want to endorse a product and never played it and i'm just like how in the world would you want a um how, how in the world would you want all my products and you've you've never played it how how can you be an endorsement you endorse something that means you like that product enough to say that i'm putting my stamp of approval on it that's all I'm going to play. I'm not just doing it because it's free. I'm not just doing it because it's discounted. I'm doing it because I love the product. And those, to me, are true drum ambassadors, you know? Yeah, you want somebody that loves your product and wants to spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so do y'all have some drum ambassadors? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few right now. Um, Beethoven Arnett, he's uh, down in Florida playing. He, he plays like almost six or seven nights a week, and he does a lot of uh, DCI stuff down there. Um, with Will Clark in Toledo, he uh, he plays with some uh, heavy metal bands. And then uh, Alan Voss, um, where's Alan? He's in, he's in Missouri. Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. He's a, currently he's playing in a country band, but he does rock and roll stuff too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's touring quite a bit. Last week I talked to him, he was down in Texas playing. And he's an overall musician. He plays uh, yeah, guitar, keyboard. He's, he's a musician. He's a big jazz drummer too. Yeah. Super cool, super cool. Um, let's talk shop for a second. So, you know, we both milled, we both make drums from scratch. So it's very fun to be able to talk shop with someone that does that too, because it's like a connection that only we'll have, you know, when we, it's weird. Like when you talk to somebody that knows what you're talking about, it's like, wow, I love it. Um, so what is the most favorite thing that you love about making custom drums? What's the, the what, what's the thing, what, what one thing that you like, that's what it's all about, right? That's what keeps me going. I like the creativity. I, I enjoy building a drum that somebody orders. But like when we go to shows, we get to build uh, something. So whatever we can decide we want to do is what we build. And a lot of times we'll make something out of uh, 
of a lot of species, just scraps that we had around. And, and that's sort of fun for me. It's sort of like putting a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but the wood is actually kind of the cheapest part on a drum. I mean, to some extent, you know, there's obviously expensive pieces of wood, but for the most part, you know, the wood is the, the cheapest part. Um, and especially, yeah, yeah well, somebody wants to send me some wood to do a drum out of, you know, and it's just like, well, that's actually the cheap, there's not going to be that much of a price difference. That, if anything, it's going to be a little more. <laughs> You know, people don't realize that. Like, what? Um, well, people don't realize how much waste there is of wood. Yeah. Yeah. I think Unless my... Do what now? Unless you're going to try to incorporate the history. Like, on uh, a lot of the ones you do, you can leave the knots in and maybe even leave a crack in because of the history of that piece of wood. But... A lot of customers don't want that, so there's quite a bit of waste in some wood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like finding the beauty and the imperfection part of it. You know, as long as it's like sonically sound, like it's not going to break or chip. It's not weak, but it's just like yeah. a knot that can be used as a vent hole or something like that. You know, um, my favorite part about building the drum is probably be like the milling process of the outside, like making it to where. It's just like blocks glued up, and then when you mill the outside of it, you're like, you're sitting back and like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. Um, how it just, you just see uh, all the grain patterns, and it's just like, man, you can just see everything in it, and it's just like, you can see God right there in it, you know, as far as the, the beauty of it. And it's just, it'll set you back sometimes, you know. That's probably one of the, my most fascinating as far as when I go to mill the outsides of it, you know, and just yeah, <laughs> the worst part is the freaking inside milling it because I'm just coat covered in sawdust. The worst, the hardest part is I would say the inside. What would you say the hardest part for your process is? I would, I would say that, yeah, finishing <laughs> is when we tend to run into more struggles, spraying. Even, I mean, we used to do a lot of oil finishes, which I liked, but they're time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Takes a while. Yeah. Lacquer's dry so fast now. What do y'all spray with, usually? We just got a Harbor Freight gun. <laughs> the Black Widow? Yeah. It's just like uh, HBLB from uh, Harbor Freight. Is it the Black Widow? Uh, it's purple. I don't know what it is what the name is i got one from harbor freight too like the black widow i use i use for doing different colors like if i got to put a, like a fade or something in it i'll use that setup man i'm having a hard time with spraying too right now it's just like when the humidity's up right now it's really hard i find it very difficult to spray it a lot of people don't realize this because years and years i've been doing cabinet work in volume and i have these guns that are um where you set and you just literally just leave it set up and you can always it always goes to grab it and you start spraying with it right there you know and it's just and it's it's called like an air assist sprayer and it just it atomizes the paint right but what i'm finding out in the summer times especially the summer times right now where it's so hot and humid it evaporates so fast like that lacquer evaporates and then you're left with a thicker product which when you start trying to spray it you'll think it's your gun 
like jacking up because you just sprayed yesterday and it was fine. Now it's a day the damn thing won't freaking spray with the shit and it's like your whole day is just shot freaking tinkering with spray guns all day. I tell you the one thing, I've thrown so many spray guns out. Um, just and I'll lose my shit sometimes and throw it outside and just be done with it and get another one, get another one, get another one, and I'll just literally but I found out that when after I get finished spraying, if I empty my gun out close the container back up tight seal it up and put lacquer thinner back in my cup it tends to kind of work a little bit easier on the next application especially a lot of i do use a lot of retarder too because the humidity is so heavy here and um that's kind of one of the things that i've been kind of dealing with right now right now i'm just using um, the gravity fed guns right now i've kind of since i'm not doing cabinets no more I kind of just started doing that and I'll just have like a spray day and you know spraying is definitely a huge part that is it's 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 definitely difficult man because you'll get everything set up and you'll be putting the last coat on a drum and you know you'll have some stick to it boom you know it don't it don't take nothing much at all to, or run or something like that man it's just like oh god I gotta start over again yeah sometimes that final coat was one too many yeah <laughs> let me put one more coat on and it pushes it off and then you're like dang i gotta do it again and that's it's hard to tell how long how long something's gonna take and i'm like you man i like the oil finishes too these smooth finishes that have are you know that are like really mint and wet sanded and everything those things take a while to do if you're not set up for it i mean it really does um you know, what, what products do y'all usually typically spray your drums with? Uh, we've been using Mohawk lately. What is that? It's a what now? It's a, it's a catalyzed lacquer. It's a catalyzed lacquer. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's kind of... Currently, a lot of the furniture companies use that. Mm-hmm. At least that's yeah, I've used a lot of that now too. I've been I used to use the the nitrocellulose lacquers that they that the old guitars and stuff used to use, but you have to put so many coats on them and it takes a, over a week to do a nice finish on a drum. It really does. If more, you know, um you know, it's definitely weird. Um another issue that I've been kind of having at the shop too. I don't know if y'all have that kind of issue, but you know, sometimes with the humidity levels. Sometimes the humidity levels can be such a huge issue. Um, so like, it's very wet down in Georgia and it's very humid. And a lot of times if I'm shipping a drum to you know Colorado or something like that, drums will act crazy in different climates. Like it will, they will move, I've had drums move um, up to, I've had them move probably a quarter inch in diameter. Um, just from you think that wood is completely i've learned a lot of stuff the hard way man i'm not gonna lie i've learned a lot of stuff the hard way and a lot of it is trial and error and man we was at it's it was just so it's crazy because i and i probably started building drums and selling drums probably a little bit earlier than i should have i must go ahead and say that i should probably should have learned a little bit more i just kind of jumped into it it's kind of my personality type i just go with it and I started sending, we started getting into these drum stores over there and we started, they were beautiful and here and we had no problems here. It was amazing. It sounded great. Folks were coming down and playing. I was like, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, amazing. Well, little did I know 
you know, when you ship something like that into a climate controlled, when I say climate control, where ours is climate controlled too, but there's a difference. When something gets really dry, it pulls it out. And so we started sending some stuff over to like Colorado and man, it's just like some of the drums were breaking and I couldn't understand. And, and it was because they shrink in diameter, you know, and it makes the shell, the shell's not going to give. So that's the weakest point of it, you know? Um, so I did, I sent another one, boom, the same dang thing. It's like, man, something's going on here. And so I really got to looking into it and see what was going on. And sure enough, um, you know, the hum it was dry. It was dry, very dry. Um, so stave drums can be very dangerous. Um, sending them. Yeah, I was going to ask you if those were stave or segmented. Stave. I've never had an issue with segmented. Now that's what I'll do. Now if I have a, a customer that lives far away, I will. I could definitely do a, um, um, a segmented. But now I have this ultra ultra dry room that it's just like it pulls it'll pull it out like literally i i can go check it and it'll have like the, the humidity level will be like five percent um right now completely because it's so um it's, it's just one room that i put the drums in and i just i'll dry the mess out of it before it goes out and i'll you know that that's one of the issues that i've struggled with have you struggled with anything like that before yeah we had a birch kit that went to San Diego, I think. Yeah. And uh, we had a failure in the floor tom. The bass drum. And then a month or two later, it said there was a crack in the bass drum. Mm. That was a big boot kit. I mean, it was a nice kit, but we told him we, we replaced the floor tom with another stave. And then when he told us about the bass drum, we said, well, we can give you a replacement, but it's going to have to be segmented. Yeah. So this is an issue for stave drums. A warning, a big warning, you know, for stave drums, man. Um, I'm doing that Buckeye drum right now, that Buckeye Burl drum, and that one piece of wood costs like 700 bucks. And yeah, and I'm so it's a stave, and I'm so nervous right now. I've been drying that thing and drying it and drying it and drying it and making sure that it's not gonna move, because in a burl drum like that, there's no grain direction. It's like it's it's just kind of outward, yeah. you know, it's not like you can follow this way or that way. So it's very difficult to pinpoint what's going to, what it's going to do. So what I did, and I haven't had no issues with it yet, but I glued some popular to it. Like I cut it in thin spots and I posted, actually I just posted some of the videos on TikTok. On, I've been posting some videos on TikTok of cutting some of the thin pores, but I just, um, I, I cut them in thin pieces and I laminated onto some popular and glued it to some poplar and then i dried it really good and then i milled it and then i put it back in there and dried it again and then i mill it and dry it and just every time i do a step i put it back in the oven keeping it that sucker about six percent and you know because if i just get a piece of wood and bring it out at my shop it's going to go back to 12 percent right now it's the damnedest thing um and if I pull it out of that oven and leave it sit on my table or just, I, don't, I mean, just it's dry, it's going to shrink. It's going to swell to, you know, 12, it's going to, it's going to swell at least by an, a good eighth of an inch just in the, in the way that the grains go. And, you know, right. wow. You know, one, one wood with that we uh, discovered is mahogany doesn't really um, change too much. Yeah, it's very stable. 
and I don't know why it's got to be the way it's whatever the molecular component is, but it just doesn't seem to vary a whole lot. Mm, mahogany. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I have that. That makes sense to me. I haven't had no I had no issues with Douglas fir either. Douglas fir is amazing. It that some of that Douglas fir that I used a few years back, I didn't have any issues with that. But black walnut will kick your butt. I'm telling you, um, it's all right if they live around here locally, but they get they get to where it's dry once. And my thing once it gets once it gets settled, like once it's gonna do what it's gonna do. Um, <laughs> I've never had an issue with segmented drums ever, ever, ever. Yeah, they are strong and they are stable. They don't look as good that. though. They don't look to me. They don't look as good, but they are stable. And I'm building more segmented drums now just for that sake right there. Um, you know, and a lot of people want to know the difference between like segmented and stave. And and I feel like to me personally, like the steam bent shells. You know, where they've been just one shell and they put a scarf a scarf joint on that. Um, you know, a lot of times they have to bend that that wood really wet too. And that wood's kind of, that tension, that wood's kind of under pressure a little bit, you know. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not really relaxed. Like a segmented or a stave drum, you're actually just milling, milling the outsides of them so they can just fully relax and not have, um, you know, you can really start hearing the, the tones of the drum. I feel like, you know, especially the segmented drums, you know. To me, segmented drums are some of the strongest drums that, you can possibly make because the shells are milled round they're not bent and they're not under pressure and the grain's going to go more of a natural way you know it's not they're not under they're not forced you know um and that's just kind of the difference between segmented now i don't feel like either one of these are bad both of them sound amazing you know they're going to have their different tones and sounds but um to me those two are uh are, are kind of what's, what's your favorite the the segment is a lot more work to make, but I think stability wise, they're I feel the better product. Yeah, the stave are easier to make, and aesthetically, they definitely have some advantages. But like I say, we had some issues, especially with the larger drums. Yeah, that's kind of that, I think that's one yeah. of the, the that's one of the most difficult things that a lot of new drum builders are finding that out big time is some of the stuff some of the those are hidden deals that will freaking mess somebody up man for sure shop wise um how do you mill your shells you have you turn your shells on a lathe no we did that for a while and that was okay up to a 14 inch shell but we want to do a kit at least our lathe didn't have the throw capacity so we made uh jigs to use routers you 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 kind of do it. Well. You, you kind of do it the way I'm doing it. Uh, not as fast as yours, no. <laughs> yeah, I think with the game changer with that is with with me is um, I've heard of some people doing it like this, but um, you know that putting that getting that feeder, a small woodworking feeder. Uh, it's got to be a small one though, one that you can adjust a lot. Like um, you put that on the top of it. And man, it will like it makes milling them jam drum shells so much easier. You can just sit there and hold that router and just bring it in, um, oh, okay. super fast. And having to sit there and spin it with your hand, I'm like, screw that. We're using the to rotate the shell. You're using the what now? 
using the power feeder to rotate the shaft. The power feeder to rotate it and the direction of the router to rotate it. So it literally pushes itself. You can't go the opposite way with it though because it'll bind up. You have, there's a certain there's a trick to it, but man, once you get that trick done, I can mill a shell from, I can go from I can mill a 10 inch to a 26 inch drum on that sucker. I got it set up. I got a jig set up where it's literally just moving rollers back back and forth because I'm you know I remember I had to do all these guys working for me, man. I'm just like I was setting up all this stuff, so I was trying to get it set up to where I can do these quicker and faster and more efficient. And that right there. I, I use one meal and it freaking cuts amazing. It's just set up to where I just literally just move these bars in and out and just put some spacers in there so I can get my, I have to use a special router for like a 10 inch because it's smaller. But for, um, I can do 12, 13, all the way from 12 inches to um, 26 inches in diameter with it. And I can do, I can do a 10 inch. I hate doing 10 inches by the way. That's the worst size drum ever. What's the worst size drum you hate doing? Eight. No, we, we did an eight. You did an eight? Holy shit. Yeah. That, Holy that shit. was tough. I've never made an eight inch drum. No, don't try. Oh, it's terrible. I, I did a it, 10 inch one time. Right. on the, I, I did try my hand at turning. I did turn some drums on a lathe early. Um, but when I had one get slung off and like went right by my head and almost knocked me out i was decided that i'm not going to do this way no more yeah i thought i broke my ribs when mine exploded <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> <And it hurt>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can get hurt big time turning them things man it's dangerous especially i couldn't imagine turning a, a big 24 inch kick like that that would be just yeah. crazy crazy dangerous man so we started doing like a lot of so what i'm doing right now is i started a new series called the every drum has a story series and it's basically just slow rolling one particular drum and make it very all very unique and um different and it's only going to be one of them and you know and i do that by putting like a youtube link inside of the description inside of the drum with a description of the youtube link where it can actually be viewed on youtube you know 100 years from now you can actually see that drum the story and the inspiration coming behind that particular drum you know because this for each individual drum is very special to me and you know it just makes it a little more different because i'm getting out of that rat race man i told guitar center and musicians friend that i was discontinuing the bandit line you know <clears throat> um so i just i really want to slow roll it man people are dying everywhere and i want to get back to doing what i love instead of I'm having to be out in the field making money to pay somebody else to essentially do my drums for me. And I'm just not doing that no more. I'm not, I'm going to be building every single drum from here on out. And, um, and they're going to be, have a unique story and I'm not going to, you know, kill myself. Now I am planning on doing a lot more giveaways too. So I'm going to try to do more giveaways and I'm trying to start building up, uh, you know, Patreon channel where I can do more giveaways, you know, and just give them to people that can't really afford to buy a drum. Just give it to them here. That's kind of where I want to be at with it, you know. That's, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not a fan of it. <laughs> I like doing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have given to uh, special people, I will say that. Do what now? We have given away snare drums to some people that we thought deserved it. Yeah. 
but I, I don't know if you could do it on a continual basis. Right. Well, my thing is, if I can get that, if I can get my Patreon channel built up enough to where I can afford to do it, start doing that, and it just seems like it's kind of working for me a little bit. You know, it's a little bit of a you got to kind of eat a little bit of a crow to get it going because it's it comes it's kind of hard to ask. It's hard to ask. I've always found it really hard to ask for money um, for people. You know what I mean? It's just like I don't want to feel like I'm begging or anything. You know, so it's you're kind of, it kind of puts you in a weird spot. You know, but at the same time, you got to kind of it's. It's all in that wording and, you know, giving the right impression and stuff like that, you know. Right. Um, and one more other thing, too, I was going to, and I'm also doing a, um, I'm doing like, it's called the Outlaw, um, the Outlaw Hideaway Vacation. Oh, um, tell me about them. Dude. Yeah, I am so pumped about this right now. It's not even funny. <laughs> So I'm like I said, where I used to put my drums together out is my my dad's old photography studio that I used to put my drums my drums away in there, put put my drums together in there. But I'm putting my drums together at another shop now, and that's located closer to me at my house, so that I can just walk outside and put my drums together. And you know, because with COVID and the kids being home from school and stuff, it helps me to be able to be kind of close because my wife works, you know, and you know, Shanna, she works in the nursing field, but, um, she was, uh, I told her y'all was going to be on, that you were going to be on my show and she was so excited. She loves you, man. She loves y'all, both of y'all. Just like, oh man, she misses y'all so much. We love her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm building up. So what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to turn it into a, like, uh, and every drum has a story where somebody can come down and stay at Outlaw Drums, you know, and be able to basically have an experience where they're going to leave with a snare drum. They're going to leave with um, some video files of them playing, maybe some sound recordings, um, photography, pictures, um, a very full belly of, you know, down home Southern cooking. My mom's going to do a lot of the, the, cooking and so she has a real knack for that kind of stuff and um, that's why I can't lose my weight it's just like all this good food is always available because she lives basically at the shop and there's like this brick walkway from her house up to it so it's like she'd bring different foods and it's it's seclusive it's seclusive but at the same time it's right there at the shop and it has their own has their own space and bathroom and picnic area and outside and just access to all the drums and being able to pick a drum, you know, you can pick a drum that you want or you can actually, um, we can make you one together. You can help make it, you know, but it's two days, but here's the kicker though. It's going to be expensive as shit. It's gotta be though. Cause I'm going to be putting a lot of time in. She is too. And it's going to be like $2,000 for two nights. Yeah, but that's an experience. That's an experience, man. And, um, you know, so, and they will do it now? I said you can't put a price on staying with Michael. <laughs> I love people, man. I love people. I love meeting people, man. It does. I just, um, I'm very, um, very sociable, man, and I'm just a social bug, and that's kind of my area. And I'd rather do stuff like that than trying to make, you know, hundreds of drums that are going to be sold and nobody's going to see me or nobody's going to know, have no story behind it. You know, yeah, you can get you know, a superphonic lug wig, whatever, you know, like everybody else does for five or 600 bucks. And, you know, that's, and that's another thing too. It's just like the freaking pricing of drums, dude. Look, 
these people don't realize that they'd go have how much a custom DW signature series kit cost. I mean, you're talking about eight or nine thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. But you try to charge somebody four thousand dollars for a drum kit, they want to fall down backwards. Like, what the heck, you know? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know I'm I know I'm touching on these areas that y'all are sensitive about and y'all know exactly what I'm saying because that's how it is, man. <laughs> that is how it is. Yep, people wanna um it's just like damn, you can get, you know, these these I mean you can get a drum like everybody else got for five or six hundred dollars. You can. You know, and a lot of time, or or thousand dollars. You know, just like everybody else has. Uh, most custom snare drums are around about a twelve hundred dollar range. You know, I was kind of saddened. I got looking at some of my posts, some of the reviews online that some of, some of the forums, and somebody was saying one time, like, "Yeah, they're good drums, but they're kind of pricey." And I was like, "Pricey, pricey? These? Are... I didn't say that, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I was just like." Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Pricey? These are not pricey compared to Google for a minute. Google a signature drum kit. How much of it costs? Like type in DW signature, blah. Or Ludwig signature, blah. Man, they're expensive, man. It's nothing to spend, you know, eight or nine thousand dollars on a drum kit. Right. But when you get something like what we offer, man, it's totally different, man. What is one thing that you don't never skimp on? Like, um, as far as um, ever, like quality-wise, like as far as tool goes into the shop, like no matter what, I'm going to be cutting this out on this, on this saw here. All of our equipment is either, I wouldn't say vintage, but it's, it's got some history on it. But, I mean, we... Do a pretty good job of maintaining everything. We get the blade sharpened, router bit sharpened on a regular basis. So there's, you know, we we take pride in what we do. We don't have a, you know, multi million dollar facility by any means. But, um, you know, we're working within our means with what we have. Yeah. I think the thing we don't skip on is the, uh, the quality that we put into it. If, if it's not a good product, we're not going to sell it. Right. We've got quite a few shells that we just burned because, you know, there, there was something wrong with it that we didn't think could be fixed. I know there's one shell. Yeah, we'll either burn it or use it as a testing yeah. thing for a new clear coat before we'll, we'll give it out if it's a bad shell. There's one drum that Rob uses and he just plays. And it's structurally it's fine, but there's one scene that doesn't really look good. You love that drum, yeah. But I don't think we want to sell it because aesthetically it's not up to what I would say is our standards. Yeah. Yeah. Standards is something so mighty, man. You gotta stand behind something. You gotta stand behind it. I love that y'all have some yeah. really good um good standards. One thing I don't skimp on in the shop, man, is freaking a good pair of tweezers. Like, my mom, man, she'll buy these tweezers at a discount, and they're, like, you can't pull nothing out. Because if you're working with wood, man, you're going to get splinters all in your damn hands. And I had one other day just went right underneath my pinky fingernail, and it was just like, it was it literally went behind like a quarter inch. And, and I, I was like, Mom, let me see your tweezers. And she's going to have these old freaking tweezers out that, 
It almost has a V on the tip. Like it won't pick out. It won't grab what you're trying to get. You know. So I, I'm gonna tell you, when I buy tweezers, it is the most expensive tweezers they got in the store. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that I'm. I'm Probably a good idea. <laughs> and I love the Dewalt miter saws. I just got me a new Grizzly table saw that has an angle finder on it. Um, and I want to ask you about that. Angle angles are the most important part, and you know this. Um, what do you do? How do you, far as getting your angles just perfect, do you use a caliber or how do you do that? Well, we've got a digital angle gauge. It's magnetic where it'll go on the saw. It'll, it'll, it'll zero it. Yeah, that's exactly what I use. That's exactly what I use. I, I, mine actually has a digital, like I just bought a new table saw. It was like $4,500 from Grizzly and I, I upgraded and got the digital thing for the side of it but i found that it's not 100 percent accurate as those digital ones that you can zero off on the plate you know and stick it onto the side of the 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 saw i, I can get it down to where it's like the hundredth of an inch um with that and i found that those that's probably the one of the most important parts is getting that angle perfect flat to the table um and i found that cutting your pieces in short lengths is so important like instead of trying to cut a whole piece long ways, ripping it up the like me doing cabinet work, you know, is always it was kind of a transfer for me because I always would rip up long boards to cut, you know, and every time I would just rip up an eight foot board and cut my angles a nine degree angle or whatever I was using on it, and then just cut them into staves, it would always be off, always. Um, it wasn't until I started really cutting them shorter lengths and then running the angles on that I was really able to dial it in perfectly, you know. Yeah, we found out the same thing. <laughs> I've even had a, I've even, I got this molding machine um, where I put my stuff through and run it through on the molding machine and cut it out. And and even with that, sometimes the angles, would it would kind of be, get off just a little bit. And I just, this is a tried and true area. Do you, do you cut all your segment angles on your saw, or do you use like a special sled, sled that attaches to it? Actually, we do that with a dedicated miter saw. With a dedicated miter saw? Yeah. I hadn't done that with a miter saw. I usually just use a table saw on that and just slide them back and forth. It's, like I cut them to rough length first. Like I'll go ahead and cut, like if my blocks are need to be three and nine sixteenths, I'll cut it like um, just a shaving over that. Um, maybe five eighths, and then I'll just I'll, I'll I'll clean both edges out with it. Um, that's that's okay. how that's how I've been kind of messing around. It works. It works pretty good. Do you have? Is there any times that people want to come to your shop? Like I want to stop by and play some drums. What do you say to that? We've invited people out. Yeah, it generally does uh, create a sale. Oh yeah. That's kind of why I'm really wanting to think about this um, this invitation for uh, um, drummers to come and, um, and do that. You know, I found it very difficult to do like um, to do it, but at the same time, because it pulls you out of work, man. It's just like if you're doing it, you're in entertainment mode, and it's so, it, it, you're not you're not working and making money that way. So you're having to kind of entertain, and most of the time, you know, folks want to come out, they're not going to buy nothing. But every once in a while, you'll have somebody come out there and buy everything you got. I have, I've had guys come out there before, and I'm just like, man, no, I'm busy. I'm not, I don't have time. And they come out there, and they will buy 
Um, <laughs> so much, so much, um, um, like everything that I got full price, you know, price wise, what does y'all snare drum sell for usually? Uh, usually between seven and 800, um, depending like mostly like a, just a standard, like stave drum. Some of the segmented ones go up to about 12. And how many? Okay, and like, how many would y'all say that y'all sold? How many, how many drums do y'all sell, like, on average? Uh, it, well, since last week, it's been really slow with COVID and everything, which is a good thing that you know, obviously, we have other jobs that we can rely on. Because if we didn't, I don't know how the hell we would do it. <laughs> yeah, you'd be out of business for sure, man. I'm telling you, man, it's it's crazy right now. Yeah, last year was terrible. I think we sold three kits. And those were all discounted in a couple small rooms. And I think one of those was discounted quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, last year was, I won't say it was a waste, but it, it definitely was not a, it, was no, it wasn't good. It was not a growth year at all. Right. It was a good year. We cleaned the shop a lot and, uh, you know, did stuff like that. But, Hopefully things are turning around. There's a lot more uh, bands playing now, so hopefully there'll be some demand. The other problem is there's so much used equipment out there now. You know, a lot of drummers, and I guess every musician that was out of work, they might have sold equipment, and uh, that flooded the market with you know high-end equipment at a discounted price, which makes it hard to sell new stuff. Yeah. Do you ever see like when you hook somebody up with a drum and you see that shit on, then you see it on like reverb or something like that? Don't yeah. that, don't that make you just want to cringe, man? Yeah, I've definitely hooked up somebody that was playing on a, on a major act. I'm talking about a major act. Like they, I'm not gonna tell you the name of it, but they were just they were out gigging and playing just like. I mean, they were on the radio, man. Every other song that you hear, and they're playing, they're loving the snares and this and that. And then, you know, six months later, boom, they're broke, selling everything they got at the pawn shops. And, you know, they're, a lot of times drummers don't realize this, but most times drummers that are playing these big bands are hired help. They just get paid for their um, their service. That's it. Like, if the band wants to get rid of them, chunk them, they're done. Boom. You know. And that's a lot of them do that. You know, and it's, it's sad. I know it does for me because I, I hook somebody up with a drum, you know, multiple times and before you know it you'll see that drum on reverb or ebay or something like that and they're trying to make money on you from your generosity and those are the kind of things that really just a sticker with me you know um you know so i i found that too if people pay good money for them they're gonna be more likely to keep it than the discounted oh, yeah. um i'm sorry what where do you normally sell your drums at uh, we do a lot on reverb. Uh, we have a couple shops that we sell out of too as well. Um, we were gonna. There was a shop that we were gonna sell out of in Memphis, and then again, you know, COVID happened, and all that kind of changed the game. But I'd say most of it, honestly, is on reverb. Yeah, direct to consumer. We do get inquiries from like people as well, you know, and people will email us, but. Yeah, I, I'd say probably a good of them are our sales come through reverb 
Yeah, it's I would say reverb first, uh, referrals from ambassadors, and then once in a while directly from the website. But it seems like that's not uh, as big a draw as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. I tell you one thing, it'd be cool, man. Yeah, one of these days we need to figure out something up where we can I'll meet up and maybe do a dual drum to build, build a drum together and do like a little collaboration on one drum, one special drum. Be kind of cool. Um, I, me, me and uh, Donette done that one time. We did a, a collaboration on a drum, um, and that would be kind of fun to do that with y'all. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, and I can learn how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all yeah. use any kind of like dry room for drying y'all's wood, getting y'all wood ready? Well, if it gets real humid, what we'll do is we'll take the what we call the finish room, because that's got a dehumidifier in it, and we'll put the wood in there and let it set for a week or two to acclimate before we start the machining. Okay. And then, you know, once it was built, then it goes back into that room. Yeah. And then when we're ready to spray, then, you know, then we have to clean everything out, vacuum it, get all the dust out, then put everything back in and, you know, let it set a day and then spray. Right. What, like he said, we don't have enough room. Yeah. That's an issue. Where are y'all located at? How about this? What advice would you give, like, younger self, you, on, on, this drum company like what what advice could you give yourself if you went back you know five five ten years and just like hey do this i would say don't expect overnight success <laughs> overnight success yeah yeah i i'd probably say go to paintings yeah <laughs> yeah 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 we should have started with that that would be a smart thing to do you can't have enough space for a paint booth. That's for snag on shore, man. You need a bigger place almost. You need my paint booth right now is thirty two by uh fourteen foot wide. Thirty two by fourteen. And and that still feels kinda of small when I'm doing you know, if you build if you're spraying two kits in there, that's packed full of drums. I mean you're stacking drums on top of each other, even at that. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, we've got shelves and shelves in there, and that's all it is, is you're just throwing stuff up on one shelf and pulling one off of another. And just constantly, it's it's almost like a two-man process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what drum kit that you are the most proud of to date? Like, what kind of drum kit was it? Like, the one that's like, heck yeah. That cedar kit that Alan has. That is a cool kit. I was thinking Beethoven. Oh, Beethoven. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Stay respect. Cherry, was it cherry maple? Cherry, cherry birch, ash. cherry birch, cherry birch. No, it was ash, cherry and yeah. Cherry and, and ash. That's a cool kit. To, yeah, yeah, it was a segmented kit, but it, it kind of, you know, like the checkerboard kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Except we twisted everything, so it, it was more like a stair step. Oh, wow, wow, man! And he makes it sound amazing, so. Wow. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Mine was probably this patch drum kit that I made, me and my nephew made together a few years back, and it was probably one of the most coolest drum kits that I've ever made. It was a $10,000 drum kit, too, all day long, and it was it took me so long to make that thing, but boy, that thing was a, it's a masterpiece, and that's definitely, to this date, 
one of the coolest drums, and it's all segmented too. So it's like that. I would love to get my hands back on that drum there. <laughs> well, at least you know who owns it. Yeah, you can go visit it, right? Right. <laughs> it's a, a lawyer bought it, man. I'm not even in contact with him, and it's just like he just oh. called me, and he's just like, I want the biggest, baddest freaking drum kit that you can possibly do, and I don't care what it costs. I got, I'm getting a big bonus. Let's rock with it. I was like, let's rock. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I just love you guys so much, man. We got so much, um, so much stuff in common, and um, I just wish y'all the best success and just keep pushing forward and doing what you love, and um, you know, and that's just kind of what it's all about is just uh, sticking, sticking to it, man. It's, you're not giving up, and that's what I love about it. A lot of folks are gonna gave up, you know, give up, but y'all are doing it, and freaking, I love both of y'all, man. Y'all are amazing. Well, thank you. You inspire us. <laughs> Um, y'all story is really kind of unique and personal to me a lot of times too because my dad you know he started helping me in the shop build the drums at first you know it was kind of me and him would get in there and working in the shop and just kind of working with different ideas and developing ideas and he helped me make a lot of those jigs in the shop you know so I definitely you know I definitely kind of envy y'all too because y'all just a team of, of father and son and that's kind of what me and my dad was you know before he passed and it was just really cool that <clears throat> that uh that y'all can still that's a blessing man y'all doing that together man and you know every one of those yeah, drums it and it's just crazy i mean you think about it 30 years from now or 40 years from now you know if we're not even here you know those drums are going to still be out there and they're going to mean so much you know those are the drums that y'all built together and um you know and have such a meaning and a story behind it you know well, y'all have a good day, man, and uh, y'all take care, brother. Just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. And our goal here is to inspire, encourage, and lift up one another. Um, it's not about competition. It's about being creative, being unique, being different, and telling your story. God bless you. I love you. Till next week, see you then.